0: So we are in the second week of a series. Uh, it's called Easter, but that question mark on it makes me not exactly sure how I'm supposed to say it. Like, is it Easter or is it Easter? <laughs> it's a series about Easter, all right. Uh, regardless of how you say it, and uh, we we started the series last week talking about God, because that's where the story of Easter begins. It's where the story of everything begins uh, in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, and everything flows out from there. And so that's what we talked about last week. And the, kind of the big takeaway from last week uh, was that God is the creator, and as the creator, he has all authority, right? He is uh, worthy of our obedience, worthy of our submission, uh, because we're all, as created beings, accountable to him. So that was a big takeaway last week. Uh, th- this series is kind of it's going to sort of build in succession so if you weren't here last week, you can go back and, and listen to that uh, on our podcast or on YouTube. you can find it on the website uh, but this week we're going to move along in the creation narrative uh, and we 're going to spend some some time talking about you and me All right or I guess more specifically we 're going to spend some time talking about man All right so last week was God this week we 're talking about man uh, we 're going to look at God's creation of man, his design for man, his purpose uh, for man, and we're going to do that reading from the creation narrative in Genesis 1 and 2. So, if your Bibles are open, we're going to look at we're going to start in chapter 1, verse 26. All right here's the word of the Lord. It says then God said, And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So that's kind of the the high-level flyover, right, of God's creation of man, but then The author revisits it in Genesis chapter two, and he's going to give a little more nuance, a little more detail, right? And anytime, listen, anytime the Bible uh, repeats something or sort of zooms in and focuses on something, like we would do well to do the same. So, if you jump ahead, chapter two, look at verse four. It says, "These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created." In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, <clears throat> excuse me, when no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, "...breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed." And then jump down to verse 15. It says, "...the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, "...you may surely eat of every tree of the garden." But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And so, here's the plan this morning. You got Genesis one, Genesis two, sort of two parallel accounts of the same event, uh, and, and what I want to do this morning is just to highlight some things from these two sort of sort of parallel accounts, uh, and and really draw to the surface. Uh, A few things about God's intentional, specific design for man, His His purpose for man, right? And and really, this is going to set us up for next week. When spoiler alert, everything goes catastrophically wrong. Okay, so that's where we're going next week. Uh, But I got to set up next week today, and so I got three things for you this morning. Um, I'll give them to you all up front, and then we'll work through them one by one. The first one is man. Was created by God. Okay, that's what we just read. Second thing, man was created for God. And the third, man was created to be with God. All right, man's created by God, for God, to be with God. So let's let's start with the first one. Man was created by God. Look back at verse 26. All right, verse 26 says. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God, during the creation of of everything, decides, hey, I'm going to create this thing called man. And and this thing called man is going to be created in my image, in my likeness. Uh, That is packed full of meaning that we don't fully have time to go into and explore this morning, but, but God creates man in his own image, or he announces that he's going to. Next verse, we see the fulfillment of that, right? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. All right, then you jump ahead to verse 7 in chapter 2. We get a little more detail about sort of how God created man. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Right, That word creature is important. We're going to come back to that. But consider what, like, what God's done here. He, he's spoken creation into existence. And then from that creation, he takes uh, like, like, from this matter that did not exist moments, hours, days ago, just didn't exist, he takes sort of the the lowest most trampled on substance from his creation and shapes and fashions and forms it into man right and and not just man but the sort of the, the pinnacle the most supreme being in all of his creation right this is man created in the image and likeness of god and and that is a significant thing right for god to say that man is created in his image and likeness i mean that's Incredibly significant. Again, we don't—we're not going to unpack all that this morning, but but it is no small thing to be created in the image and likeness of God. It means that every human life has worth and dignity and value. That's what it, part of what it means to be created in the image of God. And yet, as significant as that is, right to be created in the image and likeness of God, you've got here in verse seven where it ends with. With this reminder that that even as significant as it is to be man, to be human, we're still a creature. We're still a creature that is uh, subject to the creator. So we covered some of that in length last week. But because man is the creature, not the creator, we are dependent on the creator. We are not autonomous. Man does not get to do whatever he wants to do. Man does not get to, uh, like, like we don't get to exist without any sort of boundaries or with any sort of repercussions for when we overstep those boundaries, right? Because we're not in charge. We are created beings. All of humanity, from the beginning, all of humanity under God's authority. Whether you believe you're under God's authority or not, you're under God's authority. And I just want to remind you, this is a good thing. It's a good thing to be under God's authority. Remember, we're still at this point Genesis 1 and 2. This is before sin. This is before the fall. This is before everything goes wrong and is broken. Before all of that enters the world, God creates man in his own image and man is is in uh, he's subject to God as the creator. Right? It is a good thing to be under God's authority. And, and listen, I know that we live in a world, we live in a culture where authority is like the bad word. It feels like increasingly sort of, um, like we think of authority as something to be rejected or, or, or maybe just suspicious of. Right? And, and I, there's, there's part of me like I see that, Right? Because you look out in the world and you see uh, authority in the world and and, and and there's no shortage of headlines uh, where, where authority has gone wrong right where there's uh, governments that have overstepped their rightful authority right where there's um, law enforcement that has abused their authority right and judgment begins in the house of the Lord right even even pastors and ministry leaders that have sinfully and wickedly abused their spiritual authority to to manipulate men and women entrusted to their care? There's no shortage of examples of of where authority has been uh, abused and where power has been abused, right? But but even these sinful abuses and distortions do not uh, diminish the reality that, that we are subject to, submitted to God's Authority. And it is a good authority. It is a right authority. And he's worthy of our submission. And he's worthy of our, of our submission. And because of his authority, he has every right to make commands, to give direction, to set boundaries right? for all of us. He has the right to create us for specific. Purposes. In fact, that leads to the second point, which is that man not only created by God, but man is created for God. Right? God didn't create man and then just leave him there and say, figure it out. Right? God, God creates man, and then he gives him some instructions. Right? Look at verse 28. It says, And God, so he creates man, says, God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then again, we see more in chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So so God creates man, and then he gives man orders. He gives man purpose. He says, hey, I want you to be fruitful, multiply, create, cultivate, subdue, exercise dominion. Continue bringing order to my creation. That's the, the word he gives Man. Now, now, why would God take man, this created being, this creature, and sort of give to him some lesser authority? Now like, why would why would God give that to man and say, "Here, go and do these things"? Right? When he, he didn't do that to any other part of creation, right? But he looks at man and he says, "Here, have some have some of this authority. I'm going to give you some authority, some some dominion to steward over my creation." Why would God do that? It's a great question. I'm glad you ask. Okay, It's not because God was incapable of doing these things himself. And I mean, a few days ago, there was nothing, and he just talked, and then everything happened. Pretty sure he could handle some, some landscaping and wildlife management on his own. Right? So it's not because God couldn't do these things himself. Right? And it's, it's not because... Uh, God was tired at the end of the week and just needed a break. And, yeah, we see that God rests on the seventh day, but that's not because, that's not because he's fatigued. Right? The God of the Bible does not sleep or slumber. Right? He never gets tired, which is good news, man. Good news. Right? The God of the Bible never gets tired. And so he's not calling in Adam to be like, Hey, man, I'm, uh, it's been a busy week. I created everything. I could just use a break, if you wouldn't mind, to kind of exercise some authority and dominion over this for a bit. And those are not the reasons why God gives this authority to man. The reason that God creates man, gives him some authority and dominion uh, and and, and oversight over creation. The reason is because this was man's way of reflecting God's glory and goodness throughout creation. All right, this is part of what it means to be created in the image of God. Right? God has all authority, and man created in the image of God, God looks at man and says, Here, I'm gonna give you some, I'm gonna give you a little authority. You rule over my creation. Right? You're still accountable to me, right? But but be fruitful, multiply, cultivate, create, bring order, right? bring organization. And that's what we see man doing, right? The story goes on. Man multiplies, right? Multiply God's creation by having children, raising children, right? stewarding authority and dominion over God's creation by uh, working in the garden. God puts man in the garden to work and cultivate. Right? The, like man is reflecting the image and the glory of God. Who, who spoke creation into existence as he continues to cultivate that creation. Right? He reflects the image and glory of God as he rightly exercises dominion and authority over this creation. Right? And, and by the way, we're, we're still doing this today. Right? This is not just something that Adam and Eve did and then everything was broken and now we don't do that anymore. Right? Even to this day, we reflect God's glory in the world that he's put us in as we, as we do these things, as we create and cultivate and bring order and subdue and exercise authority and dominion. all of this points back to Genesis 1 and 2. So let me give you some examples. Parents. Right? Whether, you are, uh, whether you are an aspiring parent or a soon-to-be parent or uh, you're... of in the phase we're in you're just trying to raise your kids without screwing them up right some of you guys are empty nesters right the fact that you either have raised children or are raising children or or hope to one day raise children it points back to genesis 1 and 2 and this god-ordained uh objective to to be fruitful and multiply to continue filling god's creation Right? Another example, so we live in a, no secret to most of you, we live in kind of a military town. Uh, and so, think about, think about military service. Maybe you have a military background or, or somebody in your family does. Um, y- your military service is not only a good, commendable service to your country, and it is, and we thank you for it. We honor you for it. But, but it's not only that. Right, your service to this country and, and your military service is just one of the ways that God has ordained for, for, for there to be order in his creation. And so even as you right, serve the, the government of our country through military service, in, in, a, in a way you're reflecting God's command to exercise authority and dominion and to bring, uh, to bring organ, organization to his created order. Right, even the... listen. Even, like, the seemingly insignificant, like, menial tasks of your day have incredible significance when you look at them through Genesis 1 and 2. Folding laundry, which we all love to do, right? Folding laundry. uh, Paying taxes. It's about that time of the year. Still got about a month. Right? Right? Landscaping. Right? These things that seem insignificant and pointless. They're, they're like a shadow of what God commanded man to do back in Genesis 1 and 2, to continue reflecting his image and glory throughout creation. That's what he's called us. That's what he's called us to do. We're created for God to reflect his glory and goodness in creation. But listen. We're also created for God to enjoy God. We're created for God to enjoy Him. Look at verse 29. It And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, and you shall have them for food. Right? Not only does God entrust His creation to man, give Him some, some authority and oversight over it, but he also just gives it to him to enjoy And he, he takes Adam and Eve and they're there in the garden he was like, "Hey guys, you see all this? all this it's for you. take it, enjoy it let it sustain you right this this destroys any idea, any notion that God is a stingy and restrictive god. Right if I know that's kind of like that's kind of what people assume, right? That God is like some cosmic killjoy that's just here to sort of take away all the fun that you want to have. And I'm just going to say if that's your view of God, it is so malnourished. Right? God is a good, generous, kind god that that delights in giving to us. So that like the enjoyment of his good gifts might roll up into more praise of him. Right, we'll probably talk about that more next week, but I'll try and stay in my lane this morning. All right, so, man was created for God to reflect his, his glory and goodness in creation. Man was created uh, by God, that's what we said, said at first, under his authority. But we're created to, speaking of this enjoyment of God, He created us to enjoy him forever. That's what man was created for. That's the the third point. Man was created to be with God. Look at verse 16 of chapter 2. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Right, I'll go ahead and tell you, for next week you're going to want to look at that verse because that's going to be really important, those two verses. But here's, here's what happened. God creates man, puts him in the garden, gives him work to do, gives him all this stuff to enjoy, and then he gives him these, these boundaries. Right? And that boundary is you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you eat of it, you will die. Right, so the warning is clear. The, the warning is clear. Do not eat. Why? Because you'll die. So God is warning man. hey, don't Eat of this, because when you eat of it, you will die. And the implication is, you will be separated from me, and that's not what I want for you. Right? The implication in that is that God created Adam and Eve, created man to be with him, to enjoy unbroken, unceasing fellowship, relationship, communion with their creator. Right? That's what man was created for. Right, the, the Garden of Eden was not a place where, where God sits man down in the middle of it, gave him access to all of it and dominion over all of it, uh, and then just sort of pieced out and was like, good luck. Right, the, the, the creation account is Adam and Eve existing in relationship with this God, in close proximity and presence to Him. Right, next week, we'll read... Genesis chapter 3, and Genesis chapter 3 talks about God walking in the garden among Adam and Eve. What was that like? Crazy. But this is what man was created for. God's God's original design was for man to live in close proximity and in his presence, uninterrupted, uh, unceasing, unbroken. So the question is what happened? What went wrong? Why, why, do, why do we not enjoy that kind of, of intimate access to God face-to-face now? And the answer is sin happened. That's the short answer. Right? Again, we'll, we'll explain and unpack that a little more fully next week. But, but sin happened. Adam and Eve reject God's authority. Though they're created in the image of God, they're created to... Uh, to recognize and honor and submit to God's authority. They chose to rebel against it and reject it. They chose to, rather than reflect God's glory in creation, they chose to pursue their own glory. Right? They rebelled against the Creator, and the, the effects of sin and rebellion had eternal implications, right? far-reaching, eternal implications for humanity, for all of the world. But the most significant, the most significant result of their sin was that they were separated from the one they were created to be with. And because of their sin, every one of us, born into this world, separated from the God we were designed to be with. The God that we're designed to experience relationship with. Right? We're, we're separated from him. And so to come back to this, the point of this whole series, this whole Easter series, this whole series of messages that we're, we're in leading up to Easter, the, the reason that we, we remember Easter, the reason we celebrate Easter is because it's, it's our reminder that though our sin separates us from our creator, from God, Sin and death do not have the final say. That's why we celebrate Easter. The the good news of Easter, the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is that that though we've sinned, and though our sin results in death, though we've been separated from God, because of Jesus Christ, we can be fully reconciled to God. God fully restored into relationship with him. Not by our own good efforts, not by our own best attempts, not by our own good behavior, not by our own church attendance, not by any of those things, but by faith in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. So because Jesus rose from the grave, Easter, Death doesn't have the final say over us, right? Death doesn't have the final say, and so my question to you this morning is: Is do you have that assurance? Do you have that assurance? Have you trusted? Have you believed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin? The, the sin that separates you from the God you're created to be in relationship with. Have you surrendered to Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord? Have you received the promise of eternal life? for all who have trusted in Jesus. One day, one day we're going to spend eternity with God forever in the new heaven and the new earth. All of the Bible from Genesis 3 on, like moves towards that. We're still moving towards that. We're not there yet. But for those who have trusted in Jesus, one day we will experience the, the fullness of that, that relationship with God again. But it only comes through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Right? Not by your own effort. Right? Not by your best behavior. But through faith so do you have that assurance this morning have you have you trusted in in jesus and then for those of you that have right for those of us that that have surrendered our lives to jesus christ as as lord and savior right here's what i want to kind of leave you with and send you out with is, is, is you have been reconciled to god in order that you might help others be reconciled to god Right, this is what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So you got that creation language there, right? It kind of harkens back to Genesis 1 and 2. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us, those of us that would call Jesus Christ Lord and Savior, entrusting to us the message of of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. If you're here and you're a Christian, God has reconciled you to himself, he's restored you to relationship with himself so that. Not just so that you would have a get-out-of-hell-free card. That's a great perk, but you've been called to more than that. You've been called to reflect his glory and goodness in creation by inviting others to receive the same reconciliation that you've received. You are reconciled to God to be a reconciler. Listen, When you leave this place this morning, you are going out into a world in which every person you interact with was created by God, was created for God, was created to be with God. And they will spend eternity somewhere. Right As C.S. Lewis writes, I don't even remember which book it is at this point. I've read too many. But as C.S. Lewis writes, there are no mere mortals. Everyone you interact with this week is going to spend eternity somewhere. And you have been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. The good news of the gospel. So that those who are far from God might be restored into relationship with him. So God, help us to be ambassadors this week. Right, right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, we thank you for the promise of, of the gospel, that though we are dead in the trespasses of our sins, though... Though in, in our sins, Lord, we are broken from fellowship and relationship with you, we thank you for the good news of the gospel that promises that through faith in Jesus Christ, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his victorious resurrection, by believing that message, by calling out to you as Lord and Savior, that, that we can be restored to the God who created us to be with him. We thank you for that this morning. There's one here this morning that has never surrendered to you, has never confessed their sin, has never acknowledged their need for a savior, has never, or has never cried out to you as Lord. I pray that you would just sort of and stir their hearts this morning. And there's I can't force anyone to respond to you. I can't coerce anyone to respond to you. That's a work that your spirit has to do in the hearts of of those that, that need you, Father. So I pray that your spirit would do that this morning. Would stir our hearts to respond as you would have us to respond. And then, Lord, for the many of us here in this room that I suspect are Christians, we've, and we've, we've placed our trust in you. We are imperfectly following you as, uh, as your disciples. Lord, may we not forget that, that we've been reconciled in order to see others reconciled. Lord, we've received your grace and mercy to be conduits of your grace and mercy to others. And so, Lord, help us to, to leave this place this morning as people who are sent as ambassadors, as representatives of another kingdom that are, I mean, we strive to see other people step into the citizenship of your kingdom. Give us boldness, give us courage to share the good news of what we know. So Father, we love you. We praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.